Now, if you're a child in here, you're really excited about lighting your candle, and we are excited about that too. Parents, you're not excited yet about the candles. We totally understand. Every year you get scared. It's going to be fine. All materials, fire retardant. Maybe you're not, but, you know, most of it is in this place. Um, one of the things uh, we, we watch each year is Elf, because it's now part of the uh, Christmas special movies, right? I don't know how many of you have, have seen it. Children, you guys have seen the, the movie Elf, maybe? Some of you guys? Okay. Well, um, at the end of that movie, if you remember, there's um, the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Now, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, I did some research, was actually written, first performed in 1934, which means it's one of the long-time but now classic Christmas song hymns almost of our nation around Christmas. And um, it's been done now by pretty much everybody, from Bing Crosby to Frank Sinatra, a couple of the classics. The Beatles and the Jackson 5 have done it. Bruce Springsteen and, and Dolly Parton, which, you know, if you, they can agree on a song, that's pretty phenomenal. You know, perhaps Michael Buble, because he's the Christmas guy. And, of course, Justin Bieber, because, you know, it's Justin Bieber. I don't know why he... But whether um, it's been sung at your doorfront or whether you've enjoyed watching all of New York City in the movie Elf rise to sing this song of great jubilee, uh, what you probably have not thought about in a while, and it hadn't hit me until uh, recently, is um, what it actually says in that song. That's a really interesting song if you think about it. And I actually believe that it's one of those songs that captures something far more significant than just a little bit about Christmas and a little bit about Santa Claus. I actually think it captures some of the most fundamental philosophy and I would say theology that kind of permeates every aspect of our lives. And I would say not really just only on Christmas or at Christmas time. Now, most of you are grown-ups in here, but you probably remember this, but most of our lives have been functioned out of a very simple set of, of rules, a very simple set of parameters, and that is this, that, that if you perform well, you'll be accepted. If you obey well, your parents will be more happy with you. So therefore, if I'm good enough and together enough, if I'm complying enough and hardworking enough, well, well, then I'll be accepted. Now, this is why... John Lynch points out that the Santa Claus is coming to town is actually the reality we, we had to create Santa Claus because we couldn't deal with God. Well, I actually would point out that I don't think we can deal with Santa Claus. Because listen, listen to the song. The words of the song. I won't harm you. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. For some of you, three or four times. Brick. And he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, he sees you when you're sleeping, which, let's just be honest, is just creepy and weird, right? He knows when you're awake, that's a little more normal. But check this out. He knows if you've been what? Bad or good. So therefore, be good, for goodness sake. This is not a simple little Christmas song about Santa. Little boys, little girls, big boys, big girls. What this, this song tells us, what this philosophy tells us is, and let me remind you that someone's watching. And your life is being valued based on how well or how poorly you perform. On how little you do wrong and how much you do well and right. 
Oh, and by the way, he's writing it down so that what's done wrong will be brought up to you later at an opportune moment. Oh, yes, this jolly yet omniscient controlling legalist. Oh, he's coming to town. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so you better watch out. You better stop your crying. You better, not, you better put on a good face. You better act like you're better than you actually are. You better not show any weaknesses or admit any failures. No matter what you feel, you better put on a good show. Oh, and the good news of the Santa Claus is coming to town, what I call the self-righteous Santa philosophy, is that if you find yourself doing okay, if you find yourself doing decently well with some of the nices, well, then you get to start feeling better than the other people who don't seem to be doing the nices quite so nice. And it helps you feel better when you realize that some of the naughty list maybe has been compensated by some of that nice. One of the remarkable things I think we do to children around this time of year, and so if you're a kid in here, I don't know if this has happened this year, but maybe one of your teachers, your family friends, or maybe your parents, don't tell me, has said to you, now, little Johnny, little Susie, have you been a good boy this year? Because we all know that Santa will bring you coal if you're not, which we don't even know what to do with coal anymore, right? What would you do with a piece of coal? Yes, A, we would throw it in the fire. So we do know what to do with coal. Such a hopeful generation. But as little Johnny or little Sue find themselves listening to the question, well, how have you been? Have you been good this year? The, the first question, the first thing that's going to enter their mind, the first thing that's going to come back to them is, well, actually, I did steal candy from my sister at Halloween. I, I, I do remember that I, I lied to my teacher and to my parents about that Pilgrim's kindergarten project that I turned in late. And I, I got to be honest, but there's times that little Johnny realizes that, that when adults are praying and they close their eyes, well, he opens his eyes and he looks around. Not good news for little Johnny. So he has to answer, hopefully, yes, I have. But inside, like most little kids and like most grown-ups, the reality is we say, I hope I have. I hope I've been good enough. Self-righteous Santa is coming to town. And he's coming to your town and he's coming to my town and he shows up every day of the year. So be good, for goodness sake. Some of us know this jolly tyrant quite well. He's a regular friend to our lives, and he's a cruel taskmaster, but let's be honest, at least he keeps us in line, and hopefully he's keeping some other people in line too. But, but maybe you're thinking, you know what, that's like 1934 Santa. Like, we've progressed. We've evolved a little bit. Self-righteous self Santa is no longer really the reality of, of where we find ourselves today. We've, we've upgraded. We now have not just self, we don't have any more self-righteous Santa. We have self-actualizing Santa. He's, so we've really moved from the rigid moralist to the free-form relativist. And so if I was going to write Santa Claus 2.0 is coming to town, it would be something like this. Has not hit the billboards yet, but here it goes. And I am going to sing this. You ready? <laughs> you better watch out. 
Can't live a lie. Be true to yourself. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus may be coming to town. <laughs> He's not into lists or giving advice. Leaves it to you to know what's naughty or nice. Santa Claus may or may not be coming to town. He likes your posts on Facebook. He knows who got your vote. He knows if you're not tolerant. So take off your moral cloak. Hey! You better chill out. You don't have to try. Do what feels right. You can't go awry. Your personal Santa Claus is coming to town. <clears throat> Frank Sinatra will not remake that. So we, so we, we, we laugh, right? We, it, but, but this is Santa 2.0, right? This actually may be the only Santa you're really familiar with, depending on where you are generationally. But the irony of, of this Santa Claus is coming to town is, is actually, though it is a, I mean, obviously some ironic, postmodern, relativistic rendition of this, one of the, the things that's, is that this self-actualizing Santa is no less tyrannical, no less demanding, and no less oppressive than the modern and moralistic version that we all grew up with. The parameters of what is naughty and nice have changed. They have shifted, primarily to say that everything is nice as long as you don't hurt anyone else, and as long as you don't say that what anyone, someone else is nice is naughty, that's naughty. It's the naughty thing. But as long as you don't, as long as you abide by these parameters, well, then good news. You're acceptable. You're acceptable to yourself because you're the one who's making yourself acceptable. But this doesn't work either. Because... Even when we make up all of our naughty and nice rules for ourselves, and for those around us maybe, we can't even live up to them. And when we fail them, and unfortunately we do, like, like when we find ourselves being hateful or intolerant of intolerant people, which of course violates the law of tolerance, well then, we haven't lived up to our own sets of rules, or when we fail to become all that we had self-determined to become, there is no one to forgive us, because unfortunately, we're the ones who we need to forgive us, and we're the culprit, we're the guilty one, and therefore, we're the one who can't find any sense of acceptability. And so whether it's Santa 1.0 or 2.0, whether it's self-righteous Santa or it's the uh, self, um, what did I call him again? Self-actualizing or the self-actualizing Santa. There's no hope there. It doesn't actually work. Oh, it may work for a while, or it may feel like it works. We find ourselves soothing ourselves by saying, well, at least I'm not the other Santa. But I want to say tonight that there is another way. In the proclamation of the incarnation the gospel of grace sings, Jesus Christ has come into town. That is the great news that we celebrate tonight. And John, in his first epistle, in 1 John, captures these words. And I want to contrast these words to the two songs we've heard sung tonight. Not so well. This is what John says. Listen to this good news. 
He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, who we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Do you notice? It's not, you better watch out, he's coming. No, it's children, loved ones, peace and joy to you. He has come. He has come and we have known him and we have seen him and we have touched him. It's for real. It's true. He has come. And what has come? John says, eternal life has come. Now, Jesus wasn't born simply to, to point to what eternal life looked like. Uh, most founders of, of the religions, they, they point to certain dogmas or doctrines and they say, follow this way or follow this avenue. And, but what does John say here? No, he is eternal life. And he was revealed to us. Eternal life has appeared to us. Life, which is the very thing that we're searching for. And we find ourselves freely living out our own truths or, or moralistically trying to depend on our desperate need to be good for goodness sake. Life itself has come to us in a child on Christmas Day. And why has he come? This is incredible. John says, to have fellowship with us. He wants to be near you. He wants to be with you. And he wants you with him. Not Santa, but the God of the universe, the one who was from the beginning, wants you near. And so he came near to you, for you, that you would have fellowship with this personal, real, true God. That's why he came. Tim Keller says, Christmas and the incarnation mean that God went to infinite lengths to make himself one who we could know personally. Well, do you know how to have this personal relationship with God? It's incredibly simple. And by the way, when I say that, there's some of you who don't know Jesus yet, and that's a very clear, true thing. It's, but how do you know Jesus tonight in the midst of all that's going on in your world? How do you find yourself personally connected to him? Ephesians 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We have a personal relationship with God by, by believing and freely receiving the gift that he's given to us, the gift of Christ, the gift of Jesus, which has come on this Christmas day and this gift that none, none of our naughty can invalidate and that none of our nice can earn. This gift is for you and for me tonight. 
Jesus Christ came into town as a gift, to be a gift, because it wasn't a question of whether or not we were good or bad, bad or good. That verdict was already sealed. Scripture had already said that all have sinned and fallen short. And there was this great need for us to be connected to him from that place. And so he came to you. And he came to me for the self-righteous and for the self-actualizing. And he simply wants us to receive him. Loved ones, you do realize that that's all of Advent has been leading up to a moment of receiving him, of saying, above all things, I need you most. Above all the dinner plans for this evening and whether or not the, the fondue is going to melt right, above all the gifts that were purchased and were the wrong size or, or, or may not end up being working out or will be thrown away tomorrow, amidst, amidst all the plans for the holidays and all the family members, amidst all of those things, what you need most tonight is, is you need to receive him once again or for the first time. To allow him to come in and to, to take up the space because he loves you. Because he has moved heaven and earth to be near you. Because he has accepted you. So whatever you find yourself this evening, peaceful and very present to this moment, or, or frazzled and, and frenzied, maybe you're excited. Oh, kids, I'm sure you're excited and expectant. Or maybe lonely and, and lamenting over the reality of what has been or is. Hear these words. Jesus has come for you. Not some general idea. He's come for you. He's come for each of you. He wants to be near you tonight. Right now. And because of Christ's work, his gift, for those of you who belong to Jesus Christ, I, I must say, all is well. All may not feel well, but all is well. He has brought peace on earth to you tonight. It's available in him. And, and for those of you who have yet to choose to receive this gift, I invite you to just reach out to ask him to say, I need you. I don't even know what all of that means, but I recognize that I'm not able to pull this off on my own. I've been faking for a while and pretending. But I need a gift. I need to be rescued. I need to be freed. And so, um, unlike most Christmas Eve services, we've chosen to, um, before we light candles and bring about the warmth of the reality of the arrival of Christ, we've decided we would take communion tonight together. And communion is, is, is the two elements that remind us that the babe in the manger is the same one who found himself hanging on a cross to be able to offer us the very gift of grace, which has rescued us and which brings him near to you tonight. So if you know Jesus Christ, this is a Christmas meal for you. This is the reminder of the truest and most significant thing that will ever be, the best gift you've ever received and will ever receive Captured in this moment. So we're going to invite you. And if, if 
you're not sure, if you're, not, if you're new here, you're not sure what to do, just follow the crowd. They know what they're doing, most of them. But we invite you to come and to receive this gift and to look at it, maybe uniquely, this particular time as a gift. God gave you this gift in Christ Jesus. So take the communion, go back to your seat, stay standing, go ahead and take it in your own time. And then as we finish communion, we'll begin to light the candles. Take the rest of the service as we sing songs, some of them familiar and old Christmas songs. Take them, take an opportunity to allow those to draw deeply into your heart and point you towards Christ as he prepares you for the rest of the celebration of his coming. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us the great gift of Christ Jesus, that you loved us because because you chose to shed your love upon us. And now we have the opportunity to receive something free. And so, Lord, come. Come and meet us where we need to be met. Strengthen us. Show us your grace and your beauty that we may see you. That in a, in as close to a real sense, we may touch you and know you and, and therefore begin to proclaim you with abandon to the praise of your glory. So we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate and pray these things in Christ, our Savior. Amen. Loved ones, come and receive the elements.